Hello and welcome to Payments Insights. I'm Jyoti Rambai, editor at the Payments Association and your host for today's episode. Here with me today is Nelson Wotton, CEO and co-founder of Saskada. Welcome, Nelson. Hi, Jyoti. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. It's really great. It's fantastic. Nice to see you. You too. Um, so for those of you that haven't heard of Saskada before, it's a company that creates banking products using data. And that's what we're going to be discussing today, the power of data in payments. But before we dive in, Nelson, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and Saskada? Yeah, of course. Um, so Nelson, I'm a techie uh, by trade, uh, blessed with the ability to somewhat talk about uh, people and, and make myself understood with people. But really, ones and zeros are my home. Um, I guess Saskada comes about, Steve Round, um, my co-founder in Saskada, and I built a bank back in 2013. And um, in that journey, we dealt with a lot of core banking providers and general technology providers in the financial services sector. And it was very frustrating. Um, it was really, really frustrating, and it and it was very clear to us that um, that that actually the standard of technology uh, could be improved greatly, um, and some new and modern thinking around how we approach the challenges in financial services was required uh, to bring greater agility to financial services businesses, and that's really having built the bank. Uh, the reasons that we started Saskada. Um, we, we learned a lot about running a bank and some of the challenges banks face. And um, data is one of those core uh, aspects that, that hurts. Uh, banks uh, or all financial institutions tend to spend a lot of time and money on reporting and refactoring and understanding the different data silos that they have and they run. And Saskada is dedicated to unpacking and simplifying that journey for them. Okay, so, so then what role does data play in your technology? It's absolutely pivotal. So there's a few things that Saskada differentiates itself from other players in the market, uh, and there are plenty of other players in the market. Um, Saskada is an entirely uh, cloud um, born platform. So what I mean by that is rather than taking existing infrastructure, virtualizing it and sticking it in the cloud, we actually used cloud technologies in order to build out the functionality that we provide to our customers. That's important because it helps drastically lower cost. Our platform is essentially not really costing us very much money at all until transactions are flowing across it and lots of stuff lights up, does lots of good, clever things, and then it all goes back to sleep when there's no transactions running. So we're not paying for infrastructure or cost when we're not using it. We we approached financial services products in a slightly different way. So um, typically, core banking systems, of which we are one, are very modular in nature. They will sell you a lending module for your loan products and a deposits module for your deposits and savings accounts and potentially a current account or transactional module in order to deal with kind of current accounts or credit cards or other transactional uh, account types. And we spent a lot of time breaking down the attributes that make up the different financial services products and then allowing our customers to build and bring those back together to one, create really unique products in market, and two, 
to enable our customers to get any kind of financial services product launched once they're on the platform. So you can come onto the platform launching a current account, but you might then launch deposit accounts and loan accounts afterwards. And you shouldn't be coming back to us and paying professional service fees and asking us to configure new bits of the platform. It's all there for you on day one. Okay, so then do you have... um... So clients who are essentially using your platform then to provide a service. 100%. And so you just provide the cloud-based system. as That's right. So it's um, Saskada Software as a Service. So essentially we are um, a platform that we provide a service to our customers. Uh, we charge for that service on a per account per month basis and uh, enable them to run any kind of accounts they want. So coming back to the sort of stuff that we were talking about earlier in the product suite, um, we, we have folded into the system uh, the concept of multiple ledgers within accounts. So that allows you to do things like uh, hold multiple currencies or other assets within an account. Um, and the idea that we kind of use everything in what we call event streaming technology, uh, which means there's a stream of real-time data events running through our platform at all times and that unpacks all sorts of additional value that we make available to our customers. So that sort of brings me nicely on to what I really wanted to talk about which is real-time data. Um, What impact does that actually have on the way you work with your customers and partners? So um, the the key aspect really is um, is 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 what, what we are able to do is literally within fractions of a second of a payment arriving, a card transaction and happening, an FX position moving, we're able to update our clients literally in real time as that happens. The real value comes um, in the way that we handle that data. So we tend to take all of our data from card processors, payment systems, FX exchanges or other exchanges in a really raw format and we store all that raw data inside our platform. Most of that raw data we don't need to execute a transaction. We need to know the customer's balance, the value of the transaction, the currency it's in and there may be some other fraud switches and restrictions that we might want to look at but the amount of data to say yes Nelson can buy a coffee or no Nelson can't afford a coffee right now is quite small. However, Within these transactions is a vast amount of data and we store all of it because as it moves through our platform, you can then dig into the subsets of data that we've stored, that raw information and build bespoke reports on the fly. And bespoke reporting is really where it gets exciting as far as our customers are concerned. So we allow our customers to build what we call data projections. And a data projection, you can have an infinite number of these, is just a structured set of data as a result of a transaction happening. So in its simplest form, the very APIs that we provide to our customers for them to have a look at the transactions on Nelson's account are built out of those data projections. The customer statements are built out of those data projections. Regulatory reports are built out of those data projections. The crazy example I give, no one's ever done this today, but if somebody said, I want to know what the weather was like when any transaction happened within uh, the business, we can go in and enrich 
the transactional data with whether at time and location the transaction happens and instantly have a new report. Better than that, we can apply it to all the historic data that the platform's ever processed. So as the regulator makes new requirements and new changes, our customers can flex and move with that without spending vast amounts of money trying to figure out where the data's got to come from to build some new regulatory report that's a requirement of theirs. It is that that really unlocks the true power of the platform. Further, customers even use it for quite innovative product offerings. So an example might be a cashback. So you could be incredibly selective about a cashback rewards program. People who withdraw £200 from ATMs in Brighton, well, we can say, yeah, that's an ATM withdrawal and it's in Brighton and we'll add that to your cashback rewards program. So you can be incredibly granular and, and nudge customers for towards behaviours that you really want to see as a financial institution. I think that's quite interesting. So, um, so my bank offers cashbacks as a reward Great. for spending at certain retailers. Yep. So, would your platform be able to track that, and yep. then would it then automate that cashback? Yeah. So, in, that's exactly what we do for some of our customers. So, there are particular types of transactions that they want to encourage their customers to make. They provide a cashback incentive, and then in real time, we're providing rewards data as to what those customers have earned as they happen transaction by transaction within a second. And it can be a fixed amount or percentage? Yep, all of the stuff that we do. Yeah. One of the frustrations we found when building our own bank, everything could be a percentage or it could be a fixed amount. That also applies to the kind of fees that customers may, our customers might want to charge their customers. So all of that stuff is baked in there. Um, so markup could be a fixed amount or it could be a variable amount based on transaction value and or combination of the two. Okay, so I mean, you've really shown what the power of data can do. Um, at an industry level, there's been a lot of talk about data sharing, but there's a sense of reluctance and a sense of scepticism. I think so. I think data sharing is is a real challenge. Um, on the one hand, and it, it comes down to a challenge that we all face in the industry. On the one hand, we're clearly um, processing and handling sensitive information. And customers don't want that data shared. And they're quite right not to want that data yeah. shared, or they only want it shared with their permission um, for specific use cases that they're happy about having that data shared. So that's definitely one aspect of it. The flip side is, of course, um, there's a lot of additional value that can potentially be um, given to customers with a better insight and better knowledge about who they are and what they're doing um, and sharing data is is critical to do that. I, I think um, there are a lot of good, safe use cases that can be explored that we should be doing a little more on. So those kind of things, I think, um, are often built around fraud. So, you know, faster payments are amazing. And this country is particularly fabulous at faster payments, but it's got a huge fraud problem at the moment. One that the regulators moving to kind of uh, impose some more restrictions and there's some pain coming for all of us in the <laughs> payment space around that. Um, but I think understanding what's happening in data and being able to share data, particularly around fraud patterns of behavior, enables financial institutions to mitigate and protect against that earlier. And I think that's a really excellent use case that requires uh, nothing more than anonymized data to be shared so that we can understand when potential fraud or fraud 
fraudulent transactions are occurring in the system. Okay, so then to get to that stage, what does the sector need to do in order to use that data more efficiently? How should it evolve? I think that, I think there's a few things we need to do. I think firstly we need to be um, we need to start approaching um, data in a slightly different way. Um, at Sascada, we say it's not our data, and we're really crystal clear with customers, right? We're giving you real-time data. It is your data. You can have it in whatever format you like, whenever you want it. There is no walled garden here, right? It's yours, okay? We are here to provide a service to you. And I think um, wider technology firms need to adopt that kind of approach in that we need to give our customers as much data as possible and recognize it is their data. Um, we shouldn't be afraid of them doing things with that data. Uh, we should be here to enable that. I think, um, I think as an industry, um, that's probably a small step, although, you know, architecturally it might be quite challenging. Um, and I think we need to come up with better ways of anonymizing and sharing that data so that the, the critical pieces of information that we do need to share aren't tagged with uh, customer information or personal identity information. And tokenization of kind of card payments is a very simple example of that. But I think we need to go deeper into the payments data that we hold, have and share uh, to enable better sharing. It needs to be more anonymized than it is currently. So then to create that and to be able to do that, is it expensive? And mm. like, what can the industry do to minimize the costs while also getting the best system in place? Yeah, so that's a that's a tough question that and and I think um, it's a tough question because it will depend on how old your technology is and how data ready you are or aren't in order to kind of make this leap. Um, ultimately, data is an incredibly cheap thing to store and process in vast quantities with cloud computing. So I think we shouldn't be afraid of using and utilizing cloud computing in order to reach out and do some more clever stuff with our data. Um, but I think also out of it comes new business models. So I think um, the ability to kind of think about how we might use data to uh present and, and um, offer greater value to our customers, value that they might be prepared to pay for, or their customers in this case, right? So um, data that end consumers can use, um, data that end consumers value, and cashback and rewards is a really good example of that. Um, those kind of rewards programs are often have value that's shared between the organization running the rewards program as well as the consumer that's receiving that reward. Um, the ability to do more of this stuff and generate a value proposition around data. Good, good data use cases of, of definitely come out of some of the open banking with the ability to kind of credit reference and credit check and share real-time financial data, a customer's real-time financial data uh, in order to kind of aid a lending or credit decision. That's definitely been well established. I think we could do a lot more, but there are some companies doing some really good stuff in this space, particularly in the US, but we could definitely be doing a lot more around fraud monitoring and usage patterns of data and transactional usage patterns to start understanding where risk is is occurring within the network. Um, it's expensive. 
Yes, I think it is if you're on legacy tech. Uh, ultimately, it's difficult to do this if you're on legacy tech with silos of databases all over the place. Um, and actually, there's a whole data project in there in extracting all of that, preferably in an unstructured way, um, and, and then uh, creating kind of data warehousing to allow you to start analyzing and understanding what's going on there. So it sounds like before we get anywhere near to having that cloud-based system, there's a lot of work to be done, especially like you mentioned with the legacy technology. Yeah, I, d I think it, it doesn't have to be big bang. Um, we work with a lot of organizations who have legacy platforms in place, and we will come in and run alongside those legacy platforms. So one of the beauties of something like a data projection or the ability to kind of restructure your data on the fly is um, an organization like us can format our outputs to mirror existing outputs that the organization okay. processes. So that allows us to sit quietly alongside whatever else Else is running. And what inevitably happens at some point in the future, once we've got some sort of proof of concept prototype or an initial product up and running, is we'll start taking ownership of more and more of the portfolio as the value of the data is unlocked within an organization. So it becomes more of a phased approach. Then. Exactly. Big Bang is scary. It's scary for everyone. Nobody wants open heart surgery. And this is the worst kind. It's open heart surgery while the, the, the patient is walking around. <laughs> okay. On that note, I think um, <laughs> we have run out of time. So um, that's a good place to probably end it. Thank you ever so much. It was yeah. a pleasure being here. No worries. Thank you, Nelson, for joining us today. Join us soon for another episode of Payments Insights. Thank you. To access more podcasts, videos and articles, go to thepaymentsassociation.org.